Reginald B. McKinley II. What's going on? Thanks for coming <laughs> on the program. Uh, well, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. That's right. Let's do this. You ready? Yeah, I'm hella ready. Uh, oh, oh, okay. I'm hella ready. The very Bay Area of you. Yeah, exactly. Like, Bay Area very to, Bay to drop area the hella. Yeah. Right. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. or Hecka. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yep. I'm like Hecka tight. I see what's going. I see what's yep. going on. Yeah. Okay. Grateful to Jeanette yeah, Nguyen yeah, for yeah. making the introduction. Right. And you're Thank new to LA, you. so welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a month yeah. in. I'm a month into the How's LA life. I love it. Yeah. I adore it. Is it the weather? Yeah. Okay. It's the weather, it's the people, it's the culture, it's the intelligence, the art, the visionary thinking. The, okay. But there's a lot of other things that we are going to make even better, you know, in the next Look. protocols. Yeah, the, 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 what we want to do in the future. I so. love the excitement. Like, it's, super, always, super it's always fun to, to uh, meet people when they first get somewhere. Yeah. So I want to check yeah. back in six months later. And we'll see how it feels. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I want yeah. to check in six months later and see yeah. See if you had a few run-ins at, at a little market. If Stuff you, like that. If you're yeah. still like the intelligence is super high. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, L.A. is a dichotomy. It's it's a range of experiences. And so yeah. I think acknowledging that is important so that your expectations of a place um, don't, don't push you places where you, you don't kind of want to go. But also so that you can leave space to be surprised and excited. And so a lot of times, you know, you're like, oh, it's going to be so much better than wherever I came from. But the truth of the matter is wherever you go, there you are. That's it. Yeah. So where you go, there you are. So you are always where you're at. Yeah, let's 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 do this. Let's let's dive in. Let's dive in. I love it. I love it. Um, There's a lot to talk about. In this episode, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI, DEI is the acronym. And this is, it's super fascinating. As we were talking yeah. before we started the program, I spend a lot of my time on the metaphysical space, the nature of reality, being existence, what the nature of consciousness is, architecting right. the next generation protocols to maximize human potential. Right. And that what was really interesting was Reggie when he was hitting the ball back with me before we started, he was grounding a lot of what I was saying in actual experiential uh, rubber meets the road examples that are, you know, of people needing to literally feed their kids, very much um, stuff like this. And so I'm really pumped to, to unpack this. Um, maybe that's probably a good place to actually start okay. is as I sort of understand things from this perspective of consciousness undergoing this process of experiencing itself through this reality Right. that there's all these different flavors of experience that occur. There's flavors of experience of super duper privilege where there's all the basic needs are met and there's experiences or flavors of life where none of the basic needs are met. Right. And that's sort of how I see it. And, but what's interesting is that both of us are talking about how to make it so that the basic needs can be met Right. For more people worldwide that then enable them to flourish. Right. 
because my belief is that you shouldn't have to worry about your basic needs. Most full stop. Full stop. And I think we've made people engaging their basic needs some version of success. And that's a horrible way that society has pinned the lived experience of everybody against the rich or against uh, some other version of success, right? And so I think when you give a baseline of everyone can eat, breathe, live, be safe, um, and breathe in a very intentional way of saying that, uh, free of pollutants, free of non-accessibility to clean water free of to me that's all breathing right yeah. yes and um free of 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 water that doesn't hurt you um free of free yeah. and i think that's a baseline that we have not as a society collectively agreed upon as a necessity and I, so I can't, I'm not going to ever get to a place where it's like, well, basic income or universal health care or something is, is a, is a perk. It's not a perk. Like you exist. So you need to be provisioned for. Yeah. And that's a social, um, social contract. Yeah. We entered into a contract to be in this society and that was a prerequisite as a baseline to saying that we're going to come together as tribes, people, groups and create something. And at some point that went from a baseline of the contract to a success story. No. Yeah. There's so much more in that success story that is just beyond the basic needs being met. The success story is what happens after the basic needs are met. The success story isn't meeting the basic need. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, let's be clear. We're eight months into a pandemic and Americans have received $1,200 eight months. The average cost minimum wage in America pre pandemic did not would not afford you an apartment, a two bedroom apartment in any of the United States. Research has shown that. So if I made minimum wage pre pandemic, I couldn't even even afford a two bedroom apartment in any of the United States. And just to do math there, that sounds like it's going to be somewhere around 40 hours a week at 10 bucks a week is 725 is and, and it's 725. 725. And so it's going to be, you're probably going to make something around what, like 1200 or 1200 bucks a month or something like that. Roughly probably. Yeah. And 1200 bucks a month is not, is that kind of no money. one in the U S not in the U S can yeah. it, can you afford a two bedroom apartment and live on minimum wage? That was pre pandemic. So let's be super duper clear here. Since this pandemic has started, um, and we started calling people essential workers with a ton of them having hours cut, jobs cut, 
they weren't able to live pre. So it's not getting much better post. Uh, and that's the the working poor. The people in poverty with jobs. We're not discussing individuals who don't have jobs. We're not discussing people who existed in poverty pre-pandemic. We're not discussing people who are barely making it. We, we're not discussing what we still call the middle class, which is inevitably shrinking and yet has not been reclassified in larger society. So we have a huge problem because we're 1200 bucks in eight months in. We just have a huge problem. I, as we, as we were sort of talking before we started, I was sharing with you, um, a pretty serious intention of mine to visually illustrate a lot of the core concepts. Yeah. And so this one is in high level perception in chapter one, I analogize the tree to the human. And so the basic nutrient needs of the tree Mm -hmm. need to be met in order for it to flower the fruits. And the very similar things true with the human, the basic needs, as we were describing earlier of air, water, food, shelter, love, safety. Yeah. All those things need to be met in order for the human to also actualize a unique gift into the world. Right. And so this analogy taken to the level of yes in our community in our local like we were talking about la we have our our little our big problem here and in the bay area with people that uh have their basic needs not being met but also on a planetary level we also have upwards of almost a billion people that still don't have access to clean water and clean sanitation which is why it's sdg number six and so we are beginning to see like okay well what happens when somebody has a tap or that somebody has something that they're waking up every day and finding meaning in doing right and purpose in doing And it was interesting that you also told me, you said that that even having that purpose, even having that thing that you wake up to do every single day is it's even downstream of the basic needs being met. Yeah. Yeah. And that was also really enriching for me to to realize because it's it's that visceral on even on a on a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We've been talking about this for so long and yet our architectures are not reflecting the fact that we know that this is the case. People literally, when you gave me the example, you're like, if you're freezing cold and you don't have shelter or safety, how the hell are you gonna do anything? Nothing, you can't do anything. If you don't even have $1 to get a piece, a a loaf of bread at a store, how are you going to do anything? And so th- these are the visceral gut heart feelings that we need to feel to sort of galvanize us into action of what to build next to make sure that if all those basic needs are being met. So I, I've done a lot of work in the community and I, I spent tons of years tutoring kids and, and working with the kids from all different levels. And uh, I understood very early on that if I wanted to really connect with a kid that I was tutoring, I need to make sure that they weren't hungry. Like from a physical standpoint, yeah. I had to make sure that they felt safe. 
I need to make sure that they had the attention capacity to even be there to be tutored. If I'm dealing with things at home that you, you're not supposed to be dealing with as a kid, yeah. I don't have the capacity to sit here with you. We're as adults, we struggle with that. We have a million things going on all over the place. And we're asking ourselves, how do we be here right now? And most of us don't really know in a conscious way that we're asking that question. You know, it's it's in a very conscious way. You don't know we're even asking that question. And so the privilege comes when you recognize, I asked, how am I going to be here now? That's a level of, of revelation and realization that most people they they don't even bridge that right they're just kind of ran down and i don't know how it's gonna work and i'm I'm fighting to stay above water you hear people say that all the time and it's so intriguing because water can bring life or death Mm, yes so it's intriguing to watch how people engage life as water or death as water and so it's always funny for me because most people do this when they hear cup half full cup half empty i do it when i hear people say i'm trying to tread water yeah yeah yeah. and i'm like got it i know exactly where you're at at this point yeah because half full half empty there it is in a more life even affirming or not way because half half empty half full cup wise is perspective I can't have much perspective if I think I'm dying yep. that's fight or flight yep. that's survival at, at the core so when you tell me you're drowning we have to have a whole different level of conversation to even get you to have half empty half full yep. you know it's the same as Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I need boots. I need straps. I need a cobbler. I need leather. I need shoes. And I don't think we're tending to that. And I think we think we're further along than we are. We're not. Mm. Yeah. And that's the hard part. So when we have these higher level conversations, I'm the weird guy in the room that gets what we're trying to do and also gets that we're not where we think we are. Yeah. And by the way, this is not a moving pendulum. It's a very real concrete trackable. We are not where we think we are. So when we say that we're two weeks away from most Americans being evicted, that's not just to get a response that's literally people are going to be put out in two weeks so congress act but i think in america we take that as okay they're gonna have a bad christmas no literally people will be outside twelve hundred dollars eight months we can't get away from these things that are very 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 right here on the ground And until we actually tend to those, we can't move anything else, which is why I keep emphasizing to people we have to tend to what's literally affecting us. Yeah.
I, I gotta say it's really interesting to have a, a juxtaposition between the sort of Steven Pinker mainstreamed argument about everything's becoming so much better and we've talked about this on the show with people like Chris Ryan who authored and published Civilized to Death that there's a, there's a nuance to that and one of the immersive ways to understand that is the if somebody has no basic needs being met that almost takes them literally back like a hundred thousand years in terms of like the state of their consciousness and that's pretty insane to think or or from a very technical standpoint somebody has a 400 year head start and if we're talking about america that would be slavery that would be racism that would be jim crow that would be poll taxes that would be the war on drugs that would be current modern day policing um that would be 400 year head start we don't have to go super high level to see how it impacts somebody and yet people are still pushing through so this is not a story about a victim who is not fighting to live or is not still building trying to build something it's about a system that hasn't reconciled how much damage it's done to the person that they've done it to or the people they've done it to and this is happening more than just one or two groups this is happening as a larger whole and we have to get to the point where we start to reconcile that so this is kind of now a top layer thing so when people then come up to us we have a fair share more empathy and kindness in our engagement we have a lot more grace in our engagement we have a lot more um, integrity in, in our engagement we have a lot more we leave space to <clears throat> to listen we leave space to to feel the anger to feel the disappointment to feel the despair and I think, and I, and I literally mean filled it, right? Um, create the space and let it hit the ground. But we're, we're not necessarily doing that. We're just telling people, you deal with it on your own. And if we want to get somewhere, and that's why I'm so, I'm so intentional, right? Because I want people to be visible yeah. to other people. Yeah. So then we can truly do work to create the space we want. But we can't necessarily do that if we can't create space for people to even be visible. Then see them. Just because you create a space for somebody to be visible doesn't mean you see them. So then see them. Yeah. Then tend to them. Their steps. Yep. Create space. See them. Tend to them. Yeah. The way first step to tending to somebody is asking them how do you need to be tended to? And it's interesting because the tending is the analogy for a seed in a garden, like we were analogizing yeah. a moment ago. 
So that's the baseline of allyship. That's the baseline of partnership. That's the baseline of even a, even being somebody who loves the arts. See it. Well, create space. See it. Tend to it. So it, it, this it exists on every level of life and every part of life. And yet we are picking and choosing how we and when we engage it. And I think that's what's making it hard, even in these moments, because we're not being as intentional as we should be. And we're not doing it with a level of integrity that we should. And integrity doesn't necessarily monetarily cost, but it will require you to lay down a bit of your ego yeah, and lay down a bit of your knowing. Yep. Yep. To allow somebody else's show to show up. Yep. Yep. It's a great way to put it. So. Yeah. In this sort of. Idea that how could it be that somebody in the quote. 2020 entering into 2021 this year with 8 billion people on the planet such massive amounts of planetary flourishing having met so many basic needs can still we can still as consciousness exploring itself this in this reality still have the insane amount of in a sense it's it's art it's perfection in its own unique way the fact that our creation is so layered like this where even in such modern flourishing infrastructures there can still be so many people even in the most developed countries not even in the ones that are still developing but the ones that are developed that are still experiencing more in a sense, primal states of being, as you describe in the water analogy, it's true that you can use water to sacredly and divinely nourish yourself. Or you can feel like you're fucking drowning. And that's why the st- these statistics about... F- 50% of Americans not being able to afford a sudden $500 bill. 400. $400 bill. 400. And the in the it it's it's a challenge to rise to cuz you described this is so well said too is that to take your quote you know such deep knowing that like you know like like i had this profound experience where a couple like on on saturday where it was you think you know but you don't so just like take the knowing down a level for a moment to truly create the container of space that then enables someone else that doesn't have their basic needs met to step into that container of space 
and to be seen and to be registered as a soul in that space and then also to be addressed which basic needs will serve you immediately right away and how can we meet those basic needs right away and i spend a lot of my time talking about these macro level inclusive stakeholding architectures that biomimic what we see with mycelium and fungal networks underground which is a billion years old and the way that we can sort of make that in our social contract itself and yeah sure that's cool alan we can do that in the next five years ten years architect that and make it so that the physician has a stake in their patient and the teacher has a stake in the student and the and the community has a stake in their environment and all these types of things. The environment has a stake in the community as well. The seventh generation indigenous principle. But today there are basic needs that need to be met in the person's life. And it's such a complicated multi layered creation that we're embedded in where the idea of, well, why don't we just print more? fiat currency why don't we just distribute that and see if that helps why don't we why don't we take some of the wealth that's being generated on even the continued bull market of the stocks and see if there's a way to distribute some of those massive earnings that have continued through the actual fabric of existence that makes it so that like do you want when andrew yang was on our show he was like do you want to do you want a revolution because if we don't we're gonna have one because we can't keep going like this so a few things um just because someone colonizes or oppresses doesn't make them first world or developed Secondly, um, I think we have a very hard time conceptualizing that someone who also is in need is going to have to show up for someone else also in need. And so I say that to say, well, I have to table that I've already provisioned for my needs being met so that I can make space for your needs to be met. And the truth of the matter is a lot of times your needs are not met and you still need to create space for others needs to be met. It's not once I get over the hump, then I go back and get you. It's as we're clearing the field, we're all clearing the field, Um, which then puts a requirement on each of us every day to do some lifting. You don't get to sprint 20, 30, 40, 50 years down your career and they say, oh, now I'm going to open a few doors. You don't get to do that. Um, So I say that expressly because I need people not to confuse the necessity to show up in real time with when I get over, I show up in time. Mm -mm. Um, So that's two. Um, Third, the truth of the matter is that this system can't hold itself the way it exists. 
the essential workers are a prerequisite for this system to work, which are the least paid and the most important one two if you don't purchase things you don't need the system can't keep going three if you don't protect healthcare officials science scientists and have a basic understanding of civic responsibility it can't stand three things we're struggling with and as much as doctors and grocery store workers and trash men and individuals are happy that you're calling them heroes and clapping, they really need you to do your part. Heavy lift. This is, you know, this is World War II going into a factory and, and building nuts and bolts. This is, it, that's where we're at. People don't really understand that's where we're at. Even though all the statistics show it that the highest rate of mid-career millennials are moving home ever. Higher than a Great Depression, higher than World Wars, 52% of millennials now live at home with their parents or family. 52%. Wow. So it's already happened. And that's why I'm so expressly clear on you cannot wait until you get over the hump to help somebody else's basic needs be met. While you're having your basic needs be met, you need to make sure you provision for others, too. Because the system is so broken at this point that none of us will ever extend our nets to help because it's so broken. Yeah. Um. Again, I think we think we're somewhere we're not. We are in dire straits. And I don't, it's almost like bringing the truth to this makes it that much harder. It's almost like giving this a proper lens is making people say, well, what do we do? The answer is very simple. A lot of times I don't need money, I need resources. So, for example, a lot when I was doing grassroots organizing um, early on in my career, I understood something about fundraising that most other people did not. And what I understood was that I go to the person or the entity or the organization that has a certain expertise and resource and ask for what they have in abundance. I don't ask them for what they don't have in abundance. And most times that looks like physical money. If I go to Apple. I'm going to ask them for computers. If I go to Kleenex, I'm going to ask them for tissue. If I, whoever I go to, I'm going to ask them for what they do really well in an abundance because ultimately the resource is what matters the most. And then that's what value is tied to. Right. And that's why you have donations in kind, right? In kind donation might equal to a hundred thousand dollars or $30,000 or something because there's a physical monetary value tied to, these services, objects, resources being rendered. But we're taught ask for money. We're taught money solves everything. And the truth of the matter is resource allocation, proper resource allocation, people having a level of expertise and sharing with community, bartering is is the goal. I sell wheat 
you sell yeast, she sells salt. He's a butcher. We all need each other. That doesn't require money. Currency has been a range of things from the beginning of time. Sometimes it's spices. Sometimes it's fabrics. Sometimes it's just your word. And we've made currency pretty much one thing, money. Or credit, which is money. And that's not really the only way to navigate. And so back to why I said colonizing or oppressing a society doesn't necessarily make you developed because in second and third tier, you know, societies, even in modern day that we would call second and third tier, they understand these basic tenets of how to build community and how to have community still function and run. And it's been this way for thousands of years. There's something very important that we can take from that in reference to how yeah. we function in this society that we're not fully leaning into. Yeah. And we started yeah. Uber with sharing cars, not that Uber started that, but with sharing cars, um, Airbnb with sharing houses, uh, dot, 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 shared economy that kind of became mainstream over the last, say, eight years um, and really took off five years ago for real. Uh, gave some hint at how I can have an access to something and I can ask you for that direct resource and then you could provide that direct resource and we can facilitate us still working and functioning. Yeah. And I think we're going to have to dig into that. What that looks like from a, from a logical logistical standpoint is we're going to have to have houses merge. Now, granted, during COVID, it's like, don't have houses merge. Well, I'm talking about moving together. I'm talking about go get plots of land or or houses or, or whatever and put multiple families back in, in, into one house. This is we had multiple generations up until about 50 years ago in one house. We had great grandparents, grandparents, uh, parents, kids. Pretty much every household up to 50 years ago was a multiple generation household, if not a multifamily household where you had your brother and your sister-in-law and their kids living in the garage. And then you built a house on the back of the land. And so we shifted away from something that allowed us to really be successful and shifted towards something that allowed community, allowed companies to be successful. They could sell more toaster ovens and refrigerators. If you start splitting those houses up, they could sell you a need for medications to cure loneliness if you don't have access to people. And I think at this point, we all recognize with this pandemic that there was a real opportunity in having other people in the house after eight, nine months alone. If you lived alone, living alone was was sexy up until eight, nine months ago. Right. <laughs> people started getting adoption rates of cats and dogs and animals went up. People started getting bikes so they could go out and, and do leisure activities and do it with friends safely. They started realizing a necessity for community to be in-house, not outsourced. And um, so places like meetup.com saw an uptick. Dating sites like Tinder and Bumble saw an uptick. And it's because we understood that those needed to be in-house, right? Relationships need to be in-house. And so the hope is that those revelations will equate to the next level of movement of how we tend to everyone's needs 
and how we also provision for everyone's expertise in a said house. I don't need everybody to be a cook. I don't need everybody to be a gardener. I don't need everybody to be great at childcare. I don't need, but if I have somebody who's a great cook and a great gardener and a great childcare, then I don't have to worry about going out to work. I don't have to like, it's the house is tended to. And I think we are, and there's portions to that, that we have to work through. Um, because we see that in some of the work I was doing around research with Latinos and COVID-19 is that especially on the U.S.-Mexican border where I was located, there's multi-generational households in most households. So you at least have the grandparents, parents, and children in the household at least. And so what that looked like for COVID-19 is a lack of resources um, or lack, lack of access to healthcare resources if COVID hit. Because you now have susceptible generations and generations that are kind of perceived to not be susceptible, which will be younger generations, all intermingling every day. So when you send out messaging, you have to have the whole house buy-in as opposed to just one or two generations in a household. Well, in larger cities, you might not have to deal with that where you have the split where all the young people live together, all the elderly live together, all the right. You have these, these more spread out intergenerational dynamics. So there's, there's pluses and minuses of how you have to build it out, but you have to build it out. You have to start having these conversations. So my answer is the other way where you have intergenerational households um, and then you have a cultural understanding of what's necessary in order for the household to stay healthy. View it as an organism and everyone has to buy in. But that's kind of where we're at as a collective whole. This also in so many ways takes me to what I have we talked about this before we started and you were mentioning it a bunch throughout the last segment in this this is chapter 7 the sorting algorithm and high level perception and it just follows the old saying that goes you keep the baby and you drain the dirty bath water mm. and if you do it for indigeneity and you do it for modernity and you drain the dirty bathwater in each and then you uplift the baby and merge them together into one and that has a massive that synthesis has a massive contribution to the future architectures that we're talking about that maximize prosperity for everyone because you mentioned this very sacred principle of that service to other mentality, whether it be someone in the family circle or whether yeah. it be someone in the community, that principle, and that's a very, in many ways, mimics what I'm talking about with the mycorrhizal networks underground. 95% of plants use mycelium for a two-way resource exchange underground. So it's a very service to other style mentality, a very symbiotic exchange mentality. Whereas like Purdue Pharma and the opioid crisis is not like that. Yeah. There's many examples of these styles of extractive behaviors that are service to self, self-dealing behaviors, which we're moving away from. And so we need to visualize those, talk about them and build the future instead. You, you're saying that you believe we are moving away from those? In, well... 
the well the flux happens at the there it's all simultaneously evolving in the perfect creation that it is so meaning literally at the same time that we're moving away from those perverse incentives that we talk about we're also experiencing perverse incentives continuing to be created and that we have to shine the light on the dark to show people what we want to move towards instead that's better but we have to architect that that light i just also want to say one more thing on this point which is that this was something pretty recent that ray dalio published which was the sort of big macro level cycle about what's currently occurring on a planetary level which is that the united states is following a very economically strenuous moment which is what you've been sort of indicating for us like like we think we're doing fine but we're not and whereas that's why we're currently going through like when lehman brothers collapsed in 2008 the subprime mortgage crisis hit what happened was satoshi nakamoto published the bitcoin white paper a month after lehman brothers collapsed it enabled the decentralization revolution in the last 12 years, although it's not to the degree where everyone literally has a crypto wallet, everybody in the country, and everyone's frictionlessly exchanging value. And we have a barter economy running simultaneously, like you were describing, which is a very indigenous style principle. We're not there yet. But we clearly see that fiat is absolutely disgustingly broken and that we're currently experiencing this down cycle due to things like that and other aspects of exclusive stakeholding. Whereas China, in a sense, is more on its way up, but is also going to experience similar economic issues if it doesn't get its shit together because it also has hella vulnerable people that need their basic needs met and it also needs to figure out how to inclusively stakehold everybody all one point almost five billion of them which is which is five times our population of about 330 million so the whole planet in a sense is undergoing an awakening simultaneously especially in these more economically quote of course there have been massive issues in the last 400 years like you were describing right but in these areas where there is so much wealth we've we're we're undergoing more of a like holy shit if we don't get our shit together we are going to experience downstream effects that we don't want to experience we don't want those we we don't want venezuela we don't want the insanity of what's going on with another style of of pandemics recessions bubbles exploding uh and you think that's what americans feel well it's it's difficult to say because um I think you're spot on that a vast majority of people in the country feel like we described where the $500 bill, $400 bill, 50% cannot meet. That's, I think, how people feel. Right. Because that's at the core of existence. 
which I've been extremely vulnerable on the program as well in being completely clear that that we are also in that same position. We are literally on a monthly position where we can't afford that $500, $400 bill either, which is insane because you would be like, well, I would wonder why some artist entrepreneur that is trying to make a media show around consciousness and maximize human potential can't afford that either. Well, you get lucky in 2017, you score a big gig, you're able to afford equipment. And then from there, it's literally just a monthly cycle of taking everything you make in like ad revenue and just putting that right back into paying all your subscriptions and bills and all that kind of stuff. But you know, you do it with the intention of thinking like, well, the show by the time you get to 2025 is gonna be a lot more financially able to sort of handle and support. But you know, you put me in the ballpark of kind of that same thing where I want to create more space for people to feel registered and for them to say these are the basic needs that I need that I need met at the same time that I'm undergoing the same process with people that have beyond my basic needs be met. Yeah. So it's like the teacher student and the teacher student relationship, as people say in the spiritual community, is very similar with the financial ladder that exists right now whereas i feel totally good today with even seeing somebody that doesn't have ten dollars and giving them ten dollars that they need to get a meal but that i still am gonna at the end of the month struggle to pay my utilities and i'll still have to make a call to somebody and i'm grateful that i even have somebody that fucking believes in me yeah. to that degree that will be like alan here's 500 bucks pay your 300 dollars utility take the 200 bucks and do the other things that you need in order to sustain what you're doing because we need you in the world as well. Yeah. And that's some fucking insane shit that we have people like that yeah. the conversations that we're having on the show that are still barely also getting through this quote, you know, filter right. literally the thread through the head of the needle situation. And I appreciate you sharing what you just shared because for so many people especially with you being a white male they don't think that's your experience. And I think they need to know that there's a lot of us in this boat. And if if there's a hole in the back section or the front section, we all go down. Yeah. And I think that's the disconnect is that everyone looks at everyone else and thinks that everyone else is fine. And that's why I stand in this gap as a bridge and say, oh, we're all not fine. And I need us to get just gutturally honest about what it will take for us to just get you know level yeah just level right um and i think that's the disconnect that we're not i love that everyone is optimistic a lot are yeah. i love yeah, right i love that every, everyone's like let's do this let's do this yeah right yeah. But I also need us to be super, super, super um, realistic too. Not even realistic. I just need us to be really plugged in to so these, the realities to these very visceral that, that we af that affect us, so that we can yeah. then show up for each other. Right? Yeah. I want to be in a place where it's not viewed as a negative to have somebody authentically say i need help yeah yeah help is just help it's not a it's not yeah. a weakness yeah 
And we've been taught in a society that it's a weakness to need help specifically as men. Yeah. Yep. Suicide rates are amazingly high. Depression is amazingly high, specifically with men, because we're taught shoulder it. You better figure it out. And that is counterintuitive to us being a fully flushed out human being. Having none of the emotional language or the emotional space or the logistical space or the opportunities is literally stifling. And I think we have to start to have these really, really, really transparent conversations around what masculinity has not given us access to in the traditional sense in a society. And then we need to figure out why really negative, non-healthy things were tied to us being men. And then we have to start to renegotiate those things. Because if we don't, we're going to keep creating these cycles. Right. And that's why I'm so happy that you just shared the way you did, because what you showed is that by me having this level of a transparent conversation, it creates a space for you to authentically, honestly show up about your journey and know that you're supported in it. So then the next step is honor what you just heard. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Speak to what you just heard. I heard you. Affirm what you just heard. We're all in this. I did it in real time. Right. And so it's it's we can all do this, but it takes a level of of empathy and intentionality to show up in these very authentic ways. And I think that's what's hard, because especially when someone like me shows up at the doorstep it's going to get raw. I knock on your door, it's it's a it's a transitional period. If I knock on your door, um, more importantly, you're probably gonna knock on my door. And if you knock on my door, I know you're in a transition. You're yeah. going from one place to another. Yeah. You're having a conversation that's outside the fray. And so that means then for me that I then have a responsibility to hone in on what my role is in your journey. And then it's like, okay, now let me be sensitive to that and not be unaware of how we all impact each other. At the bare minimum, if I can't help, I don't want to hurt. Yeah. So my goal is help. But if I can't help, don't hurt them. I don't know your show just kind of took a turn. It's I probably, love it. It's probably not going where, where you, I love it. I'm where so you grateful. intended it to go. Not at all. It's, it's, it's perfect. The creation doesn't have yeah. accidents. The creation yeah. only has synchronicity, art, beauty, and everything that's supposed to happen. And so, you know, Evan passing along the intro to Jeanette, Jeanette passing along the intro to you. It's all meant to, and you expressing yourself exactly the way you are and me, our souls dancing in this way is exactly how it's supposed to unfold. Agreed. There's, there's, um, there's something that's deep within me that 
sees uh, two things that would like to share, which is that... I'm open. I believe I mentioned this on the show with Jeanette as well, is that there there seems to be potentially one of the ways, like, planetarily, that people are starting to, in a sense, categorize um, the individual and the collective is something along the lines of that the idea of the individual needing to step up and take sovereignty for themselves and their lives and their dreams and aspirations and their family and take burdens on their backs and responsibility and then there's this collective side which is the collective says look at the social fabric the social fabric needs the basic needs to be met in order for the individual to take said burden on their back and achieve these goals and all this type of stuff. And it appears as though that that synthesis, just like we saw in that sorting algorithm example, is ultimately where we need to go. And that there's there's sort of that, okay? And then there's a... And I can go ahead and bring up this, which I think is also helpful to an extent. It's sort of the idea that we we very frequently, when we talk about the architectures of the solutions, that we view the 8 billion humans on the planet usually in a hierarchy of wealth. Yeah. But rarely, rarely do we ever view the 8 billion humans in a hierarchy of enlightenment. Right. Because if you do, you start getting some weird things. Right. Like some people that are the richest in the world have some of the most egoic levels of consciousness. Right. And then you're like, oh, shit. Because then if that's in the U.S. Congress, the U.N. General Assembly, Fortune 500 CEOs, 2,200 billionaires out of these people, if we're talking some of them literally have some of the most egoic levels of consciousness, we are in it. That's a really bad top-down process that's occurring. Right. Okay, so we have that. And Which then is we, why trickle-down economics does not work. Just throw that in there. Keep going. And so there's this, and then there's sort of the other side of things which is well okay mr reginald and atlas here talking on the program well why is it that you have people that are in the quote international poverty of less than two u.s dollars a day across the planet why is it that they can also be if you say that they don't have their basic needs met why can why are they at times also so happy how can they be so happy without a cell phone where they're constantly looking at Instagram? How can they be so happy if they have to take a jerry can gallon to a well to get their water instead of use a tap? And so all of these very weird questions also bubble up around what true needs need to be met also simultaneously in order for people to feel in a state of peace, in a state of happiness, in a state of also flourishing now my sort of 
ball. Oh, my, I have a very simple answer for that. My ball to you, and mm-hmm. then I'll like to use my ball that I'd hit over to you about this would be, I see it having to happen from both sides at the same time where you, where we meet the basic needs of more people around the planet and let them in a sense actualize their gifts into the world so meeting the basic needs that we've been talking about throughout the show and the architectures that enable that social fabric to flourish more abundantly but at the same time i don't see it just from the grassroots and i'd like to hear if you see it this way too but all those people that we listed at the beginning in terms of that are at the top of this wealth hierarchy two and two thousand two hundred billionaires on the planet two hundred twenty five thousand ultra high net worth people which is 30 million plus in in U.S. dollars and assets, 535 people in Congress, U.S. Congress, 200 plus people in the U.N. General Assembly, Fortune 500 CEOs. I think that from a top-down perspective, that their enlightenment, their enrichment, their true knowledge embodied of the other as the self in that oneness, that non-dual consciousness, will also spur them from a position of power to make that social fabric more robust so it's a grassroots and a top down that happens at the same time do you see it that way how do you see it so the front part of what you said um was the question of how are individuals who live different than me happy and the answer is they don't standardize your existence as the priority existence. They standardize theirs. And what that literally means. Relativity. What that literally means is from a very clear brown theoretical moment, whiteness is not the standard. Yeah, don't have cultural myopia, as Wade Davis has said, yes. More specifically, Eurocentric ways of navigating the world is not the standard. And because typically what happens is we walk in and say, this is what we believe as somebody who's bringing divine um, whatever it may be to the table. Well, we're the were the ones who were civilized. How did you standardize yourself? Um, we're the ones who know God. So are you the only ones who know God? We're the ones who have this. Is that a necessity for this environment? But we say it is. So the idea is to stop centering yourself as the space that the universe revolves around. And because other individuals understand that at a kind of core level and live out of that space, they also, too, can have success and happiness that's not tied to any standard that's yours, but that is tied to their standards of how they choose to exist. One, so unstandardizing Eurocentric thought processes um, and colonizing thought processes and globalizing thought processes is the easiest way to acknowledge somebody else's understanding of their own success mm-hmm. because then you now base it on their standards and you start to embrace and understand their culture 
and then you get to exist with them um, from a place of gratitude as opposed to a place of judgment of what is or isn't barbaric. One, two, um, the idea that somehow trickle down economics is going to work on any front. I just don't think is real. Um, and that's including with enlightenment of the most well to do on this planet. I don't think those trickle down economics will work either. It's not a lack of information that exists. It's a lack of ingesting it. It's a lack of awareness to what that means from a standpoint of solely this does or doesn't benefit me. And what you're asking for is that the individuals who have the most access to power become selfless. And the reason you're asking that with your line of reasoning and thoughts is because you understand inherently that they're not selfless. And that's why we're having the problems we're having, because you need a society that functions to be based on individuals having a balanced approach. And you acknowledge that a large group of people do not have a balanced approach, which is leading us where we're at. Um, how they rebalance or if they rebalance is going to be up to kind of how this shakes out. As Mr. Andrew Yang said, do you want a revolution? Because it's on its way. And nobody can kind of tell you what that looks like, because historically revolutions can be in the sciences or in the arts or in literature or in the academy or it could be in the streets. It could be at war. It could be in a form of suffragist. It could be there's a million ways to, to have a revolution. And I think the next sets of revolutions that you will see will be more based on evolution versus revolution. And it'll be groups that are very specific to causes calling to have things tended to specifically. I think the idea in the moment of generals is kind of gone. Generally, I want freedom, right? Generally, I want equity. Now, I want not only a seat at the table, I want access to first dibs of what's coming to the table. And I also want six other people at said table that represents large society. That's what I mean, right? I want freedom. Move that to this is what freedom and equity looks like. Here's how it's manifest. Here's the ask. Are you providing? And I think you're seeing that. I think you're seeing that in very actualized ways at this point. And I think that's the discomfort because the more specific you get with the ask, the more whoever has to provide that is understanding they're saying no. When you're not very specific, it's like, I didn't say no to that. Mm -hmm. I'm not this, that, and a third. I'm not sexist or bigoted or homophobic or racist or, or elitist or dot, 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 fill in the blank, right? Whatever that may be. I'm not that. Um, but when the ask is very specifically, let me be free in these ways 
and then you push back on those you now have to have conversations about what you really are standing with and by and I think that's what people are being called specifically to deal with you no longer get to skirt past and say well I only care about this topic I'm not asking you about that topic I'm asking about this topic but I don't want to talk about that well we need you to talk about it and that's where we're I think people are having a very hard time sorting out the specifics they're they're being asked and I think they're trying to do the best they can to hold on to really unhealthy thought processes and ways of engagement without addressing why they do what they do and how they do it. And I don't think anybody's letting them up. Their feet are being held to the fire and you gonna have to address this. And I think that's the discomfort. I think the discomfort is that here's rubber, here's road, it's meeting friction. Friction. Now to some people that's negative friction to other people that's us getting down a road. Oh, but it's all friction and it's just how you view the friction. Yeah. And I think that's what you're seeing right now in a very here down way. Yeah. Yeah, I I view the entirety of the creation as a beautiful artistic expression that's occurring even though there's a tremendous amount of friction, the creation continues as a vehicle moving down the road. And and we, as the conscious agents in it, get to experience it through all of the different tastes and flavors of it that we were describing, where you either have you know, everything from all your basic needs met and self-actualized, self-realized, all the way down to none of the basic needs met. And so when you speak about it, it makes me both realize that I care so much about having other people undergo the process of maximizing their well-being and just making less suffering if that can be just a daily thing to do is just figuring out how to make less suffering and meet more well-being on a planetary level that will get us far just that in itself and i believe neil degrasse tyson said something around those lines as well as one of his philosophies to life and i just one of the things that i don't know yet for sure but that this is what the feeling is and the more that i look at economic simulations the more that i realize that we need to be very very vigilant with what we're doing with with what's go with what's going on let me get the graphic back up for what i want to say okay it should come up now there it is. All right. Because in this moment that Ray Dalio illustrates and that the essence of what we're talking about regarding 50% of Americans not being able to afford a 40 $400 bill, 
we need to be careful because when the rubber hits the road and it is hitting the road right now there are and it has been hitting the road but especially right now we're in a very uh, fun part of the creation that's unfolding and it's a very intense part that the the trajectory space which can be visualized like this you know this is a this is a scale invariant representation of a bayesian cloud of probabilities meaning that whether you think about this from an individual level or you think about it from a country level or a planetary level that you have the possibility space that's infinite in your tree of possibility and you can go more and more towards maximizing well-being or you can go towards accidentally more hell and more suffering and my small claim would be something that as the u.s is in the position that it's in we may think that we know what the best ways forward are in that tree of possibility but almost surely everything as i was saying on an economic simulation level as well that it's not a universal basic income that meets basic needs as much as a universal basic stakeholding a ubs instead of a ubi does which means once you illustrate the scenario for us which we've talked about on the program so many times is that when you gather the global elites at the world economic forum in davos when you do that mm -hmm. yearly what's right. what's going on is you got a bunch of people 7.999 billion people on the planet that are like smelling the dinner that's being served there that are like why how are we inclusive stakeholders in the dinner that's being served there right now and so what appears to be a solution that is clearly more on the side of well-being and maximizing flourishing is a universal basic stakeholding which actually makes people inclusive equity owners of the planet's trajectory and it drives them dividends of wealth that is being generated so it's not just getting the income itself but it's getting the income and being an actual stakeholder that then gets paid off over time plus that is able to pass that along to the next generations so it it seems like there are more clear but at the same time the what i'm talking about regarding tokenomics and mechanism design and decentralization and smart contracts and ethereum applications and everything that i'm talking about right now is very clearly something that's like one year two year three years like that is going to be implemented in the social contracts which are more long term but what today makes somebody 
that doesn't have access to their next meal, what today enables them to achieve their next meal and that makes it so that they can wake up the next day in safety, in shelter, and maybe considers then their own unique individual purpose and how they can do something every single day that drives value to themselves and the community. Immediately, universal basic income, universal health care, access to proper education, funding for access to proper education, a flip of funding to education is how you actualize that. So the schools that have been funded based on taxes from high yield places or, or locations, take that money, give it to the lowest kind of funded schools and flip it for a bit in a very actualized way. Um, super revolutionary, but that's an easy way to start to rebalance this very quickly. Um, you can look at proper housing that is sanitary, has a high level of humanistic design to it and housing for everyone. You have enough housing specifically in America that no one should be homeless. You have enough vacancies that no one should be homeless. You have vacancies that people that are under housed can be housed. So proper allocation of housing, dignity to the work you do. So not only giving people a job, not having them underemployed, but also having them have dignified, integral work that gives to and feeds their civil and civic obligation to be part of a sad society. Tending to the emotional state of individuals through access to universal therapy and mental health access. Um, independent of universal health care so that that's a, a, a solid tenant and foundation um, viewing a range of things through the proper lens through universal mental health access um, as more of addictions as opposed to crimes tending to policing and social justice on in reform to the judicial, judicial system so going in and overhauling it and expunging records and getting people out of jail and prison and giving them their lives back in actualized ways through universal basic income, universal housing, proper education access, if access to college, funding for college, funding for GEDs, funding free community college, um, free four year university, free Ivy and above university based on earning potential. And so everything that you're saying is spot, is, is spot on for the immediate. immediate. And, and so then the question that then would, would be asked would be that do we follow a, as we described earlier, this roaring continued bull market that's occurring even through the, the pandemic? Is there like Bernie Sanders proposes a, a half a percent tax on all Wall Street transactions? How do you fund? The market is not tied to livability of humans. And that's been proven. 
are we talking like 1,100 billionaires out of the 2,200 that exist on planet are here in the United States? Do we, how do we take what? Well, I'd like to be very clear with five, you. Five, $10 million from each. Well, well, let's, let's what, be clear yeah, because what, that, what that's, what so to be super clear, yeah. you start taking funding from military endeavors. Okay, so the military industrial complex is about uh, 700 billion US dollars. So you start taking money from, from okay. you reallocate funds. That. Okay. Redistribute funds from military. Okay, so that you was also first. redistribute so this funds. Is, this is extremely important is what we're talking about Policing. Right so okay. you redistribute funds from policing to pay for the mental health aspects. So now what that looks like is instead of case in point, instead of a police officer showing up to a mental health check or a suicide check or something, you now have a police officer and a mental health professional show, show up. That's beautiful. And so beautiful. that's how you pay for the universal mental health aspects. It's not a, it's not necessarily defunding police. It's reallocating funds to expand how policing happens. So you make a community policing. Um, how you pay for education, how you pay for health care, and how you pay for universal basic income is getting rid of tax incentives for corporations and organizations. Now, not fully getting rid of them, but making sure that people pay their, their portion in their hall. And those three things will be tended to by making corporations actually pay taxes. So we've okay. literally everything I just okay, discussed so, is taken care so of. So let's let's do these three. one at a time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's this quote that we have in high level perception that we say a lot. Today the most civilized countries of the world spend a maximum of their income on war and a minimum on education. The 21st century will reverse this order, Nikola Tesla. And so of course there are some nuances to this mm -hmm. to what we were talking about, but um, generally speaking, it Sounds like the very first because there's this long list of items about meeting the basic needs today. Mm -hmm. it's fantastic, agreed by vast majority of people, I think. Then the next step is the optimal allocation of funds to said process. Now, $700 billion per year allocated towards the military industrial complex. Now, there's potentially several billion dollars that can be taken from that and allocated towards what we described. Then there's also the the uh, Amazon, Google, Apple, Facebooks, uh, Walmarts um, of military corporations and policing. Okay, but what's, those are three what, places what, you take them from. Well, but okay, well, okay, yeah, and so so there's this massive like the Fortune 500 companies, let's say, that somehow manage to skirt taxes every single cycle through the best lawyers oh, they, they, and the no, no, best no. loopholes. They, they, no, 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 they they don't manage to skirt it. It's built into the system. So just get rid of tax incentives and breaks. See, you can't skirt something that was built in that you don't even have to skirt. We've ingrained it so deeply and even with this last administration they gave even more incentives to companies and organizations they gave even more tax breaks so they don't even have to hide at this point they don't have to actually do anything but just follow the law so what you've ultimately done is you made sure that the law is covering companies and organizations in a way it's not covering individuals sure okay so okay. just 
scale back okay. tax incentives, scale back tax breaks, reallocate funds that you then collect towards the greater good of civilization. But yet retain the incentives for entrepreneurship, retain the incentives for bringing a transcendent North Star into the planet at the same time. And like, but let, let's be clear right yeah. now. The people skirting those incentives. Yes, yes. I just want to also maintain that part of it as right, well. Right, but like, let's see yeah. that. That's what happens so often, and we have we have to like get really clear. Yes, yes. That the nuance. So, that, so that's what we were just it's, saying. Yeah, yes. it's very interesting because yes, yes. a lot of people who have a problem with this this incoming administration's. Um, yeah, it's clear. tax plan. It's clear. It's clear. What is we that it's like? About, yeah. Well, you don't make enough for it to hurt you, but like, what if I do one day? Well, then let's talk about it then. For now, <laughs> let's do yeah. this for the greater good. So so the money sources, again, military industrial complex first. Second is corporate taxes. And then third is redistribution of police funds, and how which much, is usually the biggest budget of any city, locality, or municipality. Okay, so the biggest budget of usually is, is usually of a local, local, a local county, municipality. Are we talking 10%, 5%, how much of their budget? It it could be a range. You know, you have some, you have some counties, municipalities that have 33% of their budget or higher, 38% of their budget go to policing. And they have 5% go to social services and they have 10% go to education. I want spot on. I also want to say this is really important. What you mentioned earlier that I just want to make sure resonates deeply in people's essences and hearts because it, it, it passed mine quickly, but I wanted to anchor it, which is that what you do is you bring mental health professionals with police police. to those visits that we're talking about, which I love that. I just want to say that that's, yeah, that's super clear beyond yeah. conception like that one is like duh yeah. like yeah yeah exactly because well i mean i think yeah. that's that's where the goal of people making sure that you can't reallocate money is to position it as some extreme far right or far left thing the truth is the most logical thing to do is to take funds hire new people or properly pay the people you have and then have them go to handle the things they have expertise to handle. It makes only sense. If a police officer goes to the academy for a very short amount of time and has no experience dealing with mental health, anything, then we should activate somebody to make sure that the the greater good of the larger community is being served. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about like tomorrow. Like let's, let's say that we are literally given like okay sure 700 billion dollars we're going to take 5 billion of it and it's we're going to have to figure out which part of the military industrial complex gets a 5 billion dollar decrease but what are we literally saying that 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 5 billion dollars how does it get disseminated to the 330 million Americans based on a basic income distribution a universal health care i really appreciated that mental health perspective that was really awesome um yeah and there's these other components that that you list as meeting those basic needs so if we could you know tomorrow undergo this process of taking 
you know, five billion from the seven hundred billion in the military industrial complex to start. And then maybe so, we even leverage people like the big tech organizations and their corporate tax evasions to attempt to also get another five billion potentially from that and leverage their tech their do good day because they have one whole day per week that they dedicate for their employees to do good on that day um and so maybe we even galvanize their hours and their engineering talent so now we have their hours their engineering talent and 10 billion dollars you know what do we do i think you're being presumptive about the moral leanings of people i this is why i believe you need to legislate in hmm. some version of community buy-in um because that last part you just said about their do good day per week you're assuming that's used for community not for self mm-hmm. and i think we can kind of track this from a research standpoint and see that it was used solely for self um even in how it's typically pitched right that it's like these hours are for you to do other projects outside of the job at said tech company so that it gives you the opportunity to imagine and innovate so that you'll be better at your job at said tech company that definitely didn't say that you got to go in a community and spend that time in community that said do outside projects that that could be strumming a guitar. Like the that mental, be, like the, the perspective that the corporations sometimes use in order to work on the mental health of their employees and, and maximize their well being is because they will literally be better for the bottom line of the bam. company itself. Yeah. Rather bam. than, I am literally spiritually so deeply care about your essence that your well being is prioritized, period. Like, not about, yeah. But, well, I mean, the baseline yeah. of that is, is yeah, it's, yeah. it's really simple. They realize that. Okay. Some people were on, you know, company hours working on side projects. So they said, listen, an incentive to have you come over here versus our competitor with your expertise and skill set is we'll give you some time to work on a side project that we know you're already going to work on. And they said, oh, great incentive. That's better than a pool table and Cheetos. I'm in. How much time do I get? You get. 15% 15% of your time here with, or 30% of your time here, whatever the percentage is, that equates to half a day a week that you work on side projects. It's, yeah, it's about yeah, it's about 20% or one day a week. Yeah, Something, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay. great. That's a great incentive to have me come from the competitor to you, right? Now, granted, let's be very, very clear that this is happening in top-level organizations, not down. Yeah, and then let's play so. let's play the scenario more, which is like, okay, let's say we get the moral leanings of the big tech companies on these days, their engineering talent. Let's say, okay, we, we won't play that scenario because it's it's <laughs> less it's less likely to happen. Okay. I mean, okay, but let's say we get the budget. Let's say we get the five billion from the okay. US military industrial complex, and then we get the five billion from corporate tax evasion, and that we take those ten billion dollars and then we have the basic income for t- Tomorrow, literally, and then the basic healthcare needs, the mental health needs, all these things that you listed um, right. for a moment ago. So, how do we distribute the ten billion dollars into the social fabric? Well, I mean, it's local up, and it's so we've always we've so always does, known this. What does that look like then? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you would look at the model that they have in Stockton, California, where they tested out the the a basic income 
um, with, I believe, a thousand residents for a year and saw that it worked. It injected into the economy. It gave a, a security net to the families that were on it. It allowed them to actually pursue passion projects with just a, an infusion of five hundred to a thousand dollars a month on top of whatever they were making. Right. And so to recognize that means that, okay, so if we implement this kind of across lines, then it'll be that much more impactful. So I think recently, maybe a few days ago, you saw a tech CEO step forward and give, I think, $15 million or something to support uh, a city or a town's universal basic income um, endeavors. And that I would love if if individuals who had access to that really bought in and said every year I'll commit this much to this and I'll write it into our, our bylaws and I'll, this is a, a committed whether the company stays or goes, right? This is, this is similar to a pension, you know, and then most of us don't know what pensions are because we're a little too young and we weren't raised in places where pensions were a, a baseline. Um, but back in the day, a pension was you work 20, 30 years for a company like a, a Boeing or a Honeywell and you got a gold ring and you knew that you're going to be good the rest of your life, whether social security kicked in or not, because there was some safety net from the time you served there. Most of us will never see a pension that are millennials now because it just doesn't kind of exist in our in our psyche of, you know, organizations that we work for. They rather kind of pitch other things to us than a pension, understanding that a lot of people will kind of head out after a few years in the current structure of how you build your career um but similar to that it's like writing in like a pension so even if the company leaves wherever this is still coming to the residents that helped support it even if it was as workers or just supporters in a, in a sense that they tended to you um this would be very helpful in places like the appalachian mountains and coal country and oil country where they already lost industry. Um, but when industry was there, they were the main supporters of it. Right. And they should have some version of a pension from the what they put into this. And that's part of their their argument is that, well, these companies came in, got stuff out of us, and then we didn't get much out of you because you left or you went defunct or you. And so there's nothing left. And I'm just sitting here with black lung or or, you know, another another pandemic or epidemic that's based on on medical or whatever it is. Right. And so I think we have to be very, very clear that. Whether I work for your company or not, if you're in my town, I've supported you. And if that's the case, then you have an obligation to also support us long term, too. Um, yeah, yeah, that's but that ha- again, this is. It would be great for people to get that inherently and say we're writing that into our bylaws, but we're not seeing that happen. So not to say that you can legislate that in, but not to say that you can't. <laughs> not to say like the you there's some mechanisms and levers that could be pulled that haven't been pulled that may not be the most popular, but at the same time, we gotta get to pulling. And we're not doing the most we can to pull the levers to have us have the maximum impact that we're aiming for. And I think that's what is most important for us to really I'm following. This is this is super duper 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 rich. Um, I'm loving this. Yeah. This is this is 
Well, because you're 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 exactly Jeanette was spot on. You're exactly. I mean, Reggie, you're exactly what this program needed to anchor in our long-term maximization of human prosperity in right. today's basic need architectures. Um, so it looks like, you know, something, it appears like it looks something like You know, maybe like this, because I love the visualization component, and I'm I'm noticing that the, I'm just quickly noticing that the that the red itself this can be maybe like green. Yeah, green is better because it's the dollar sign, and then right. this gets you know this gets yeah funneled over and funneled over. So yeah, so it's something like. Let me see if I can put this into into the view yep there we go all right so from what i understand from our conversation there is this is tomorrow this is like today's you know today's even better today's what we need to do now this is the now 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 this is not the you know five-year architectures that we kind of talk about this is now so now we have the input of the 700 billion dollar military industrial complex we take something like Five billion from that, the corporate tax evasion that has been happening for the long time, as Reggie was talking about, it's literally built into the fabric today. We take five billion from that. We output that into today, today into the universal basic income, into the healthcare and mental health as the output to meet the basic needs of more people. Yes, go ahead. So yes. you could add a three yeah. under and that would output or output uh -huh. and that would be tended to by corporate tax would be education. Oh yeah. Okay. And, and number four would okay. be housing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause there's, there's plenty. We've been talking about that on the program. And I mean, a lot. education yeah. Yeah. from pre-K to through college. Yeah. As yeah. Pre-K through for college. For yeah. 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 Right. There's enough wealth for there's enough. So literally you could just draw an arrow from number two and housing yeah. and housing. Okay. Okay. And you add those two to the list, that is tomorrow. And number four would be housing. And was there another input that we were talking about? Oh, yeah, the, the municipalities, right? Municipality reality, because the healthcare and mental health, if you want to draw an arrow for number three in input, it would be reallocation of policing. So if you grab your blue. I love how you're. I love how right. you're visualizing so, with me, my Right, I reallocation of police budgets, local police budgets. Local police budgets, and if you draw arrow specifically to mental health, exactly a green arrow That's specifically it. to that. That's exactly it. Yeah. And so um, we don't know exactly what that amount is, but that it's going to look like, yeah, like that, exactly. And that's what you were talking about with having a mental health professional tag along to every single one of these. But also have mental health professionals not only for the community, but also for the police. So 
you start to implement requirements for police officers to have mental health trainings and such because community policing at its core is meant to uplift and and bring a level of safety to said community and what we're finding is communities are not feeling safer with police in them so there's a very easy way to have police officers be integrated better into community now not only police back in the day police officers lived in the communities they served well we're seeing that that's not the case as much anymore Mm -hmm. so if we're not going to have police officers move back into the community we need to have better mechanisms for them to engage the community they now serve that they don't they no longer live in yeah and that's where mental health professionals come in because there's a lot of skills that could be given around and trainings that could be required it's no different than an attorney attorney has to do re-up classes um, every few years a doctor has to go take re-up classes every few years so there should be an ongoing running working knowledge with police officers as they go on in their career becoming really mental health advocates i would like one day to see that ex-police officers transition into mental health fields when they retire so then they take all that knowledge and start to give it back to younger police officers and start to give it back to bring uh, a language to other industries about how policing mental health emotional intelligence and community engagement go together but that could happen if you actually have police officers engaged in mental health uh trainings throughout their career yeah and and that's the most tangible visible way that you'll see it's actually happening yeah that's that's a huge one i i totally agree that's that's huge and it also speaks to our show's polymathy we care so much about people becoming polymathic the learning from multiple disciplines becoming more multidisciplinary and synthesizing wisdom and mental health should be something that is police are trained in just like doctors should be trained in nutrition and eastern medicine practices and and and, and mental health and mental health so let's yeah exactly so let's <laughs> let's mental health yes yes let's let's take a, a dive into uh into s- summarizing so this is i want to just juxtapose this so this is my you know as i talk about a lot on the show this five-year style of universal basic stakeholding infrastructures so to juxtapose this with what reggie's been teaching us about which is literally implement this now so this is tomorrow's execution we need to implement this now to maximize the basic needs being met of everybody on the planet on the input stream we have on the left number one military industrial complex out of the 700 plus billion dollar budget take five billion Corporate tax evasion, rather than enabling that to happen, take $5 billion out of that as well from these wealthiest corporations in the United States. Also, the reallocation of local police budgets. Now, that one specifically goes directly to the mental health, like Reg was talking about. And then on the output side, the other things that these $10 billion plus can go into is this universal basic income, healthcare, education, housing. So a very, very strong, I think, breakdown of the core essence of what we were um, talking about in the last especially segment of, of the program of and actually since the beginning which is literally meeting the basic needs of people especially here in the united states the proper architectures to do so and i mean a lot of this can also be brought so real quick here. yes education is very important from the standpoint that if you're going to have this society transition 
into the next levels where individuals get the skill sets necessary to do the jobs of the future. Education and re-education and access to education is going to be absolutely necessary. Yes, yes. So it's not only for individuals who are aging out of their current roles or that are that are getting older. It's for individuals that are career switching at any stage. And I showed you this graphic as we right. were talking, which is literally the massive as Andrew Yang tried, you know, two years ago to come in and, and begin uh, showing people that the labor force upskilling needs to happen in order to um, make sure that everybody uh, has a deeper inclusive stake in not only the daily meaning and purpose and and drive to 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 accomplish um, and and especially that this sort of this kind of plays on that long term five year universal basic stakeholding infrastructure that I'm talking about because um, to, even though tomorrow we can get UBI and healthcare and what what's needed um, in the long term you're right that we need the education I, I'm really glad that you that you point out that with so much salience because and it's um it's sort of modern day i don't know if you know like you know montessori method maria montessori the style of like follow the child like get the basic needs figure out what the child's passionate about and follow the child's interests and synthesize science and spirituality help them be scientists and engineers but also have them be mystics and have them be philosophers and artists and be at play at the same time so this is kind of like the education all the way up through you know the community colleges and beyond. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things where we have to look at if we go meet these other needs, it's easier to tell individuals, Hey, now that you have the space, go back to school, right? Let, let's get a new set of skills and let's bring a new industry to a new region or area. And this is very specific to yeah. um, rural remote in suburban America that I'm discussing, right? Um, because it's industry leaves, new industry needs to pop up and exist. What does that look like? How does that look? Yeah. And a lot of times it's not only having companies choose an area or region, it's having an area or region choose a company. And the way you do that is by having a certain amount of skilled workers already in that area. Yeah. So the company says, this is prime soil to bring industry to. Case in point, you have yeah. SpaceX who just popped down to Brownsville, Texas, yeah. Um, yeah. which is a region that I'm, my family's in. And uh, they popped down there because it replicates Cape Canaveral yes. and Houston yes. in reference to the exact same kind of offerings in reference uh, with it being a launch sites and all this stuff. But also the region is prime for them to pull directly from the region for skilled workers and from the state for skilled workers. There's also a reason that Tesla is moving to Austin um, because there's already primed industry of tech that exists in the city of Austin. And so I think a lot of times it's chicken, egg, egg, chicken, and you can help, right? So if you get a, a number of skilled workers in industry in said space, you can start to pull companies and organizations that way to you. Um, and that could be based on and, and there's a range of ways that you could implement this, but it, it can work. Um, secondly, around now, after all of this, as very sheer basics, we have to get people back to dignified work. Yep. We have to get people back to dignified work. And I emphasize dignified work because there has to be a source of pride in the things that you do yep. so that you can continue to do them at a high level. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want us to look at under performing individuals as underprepared individuals. 
Because a lot of times I might be fully prepared and just hate it. It may not be dignified. It may not be integral. It may not speak to a level of depth of engagement or responsibility that I would love to offer to the world. Yeah. And we say, well, just be happy to get what you got. Well, you go back a hundred years, individuals could, could choose the farm they worked on and they could farm or tend to what they wanted to tend to and take it to market and sell that. I don't necessarily want to just be here. I want to do something that I, that speaks to me. I want to grow. I want to nurture. I want to sow. I want to whatever that looks like in the modern world, right? Like that's that's the most tangible way to say in a modern, what does that look like? And so figuring out what that looks like and how to make that immediate. Because the next thing is the argument that always comes up, which is the kind of final thing I'll touch on, is they look at the outliers and say that's the whole. And they'll do this by saying, well, look at the people who got the universal basic income or got the stimulus check and stop and got out the got out the market for a job. Come on, stop it. You know, that wasn't the masses, but that's what you're pitching so that you don't have to do anything else. Well, all these people got more on unemployment than they got working, so they don't even want to go back to the workforce. Stop it. If anything, that demonstrates that the workforce needs to re up and get to the to a proper place. Your basic minimum salary and earnings need to match what you gave during the pandemic, right? At the bare minimum. And the fact that you took something so much more shallow as the teaching and the learning from that is representative of how far we have to go because you don't want to do right by people, right? So, and I, I literally mean you're not aiming to do right by people because if you saw that the basic income that you gave during a pandemic was this and you realize that people were not earning that outside of the pandemic, you should have said, we have to change minimum wage. We have to change this, we have to change. That's what you should have said. But what you said instead is, well, we're not re-upping that because they're they're not going to go back to the, the workforce to get jobs that pay less. You did math to determine that this is what somebody needed per month. And you recognize that large swaths of people were not making that per month. And then you blame the people who didn't make that per month for not making that per month and made it their fault when it's something you could have changed as a legislator, as an elected official, as a commissioner, as a city official, as a county official. You could have changed this. There's nobody stopping you from saying, well, we're going to have people get paid more. There's a lot. And, and we're learning through this pandemic how important localities, counties and states and municipalities are. We're learning very clearly how important they are. We're learning how important a governor is with this pandemic. We're learning how important mayors are with this pandemic. So let's let's act like we now know. Now that we know how important they are, let's hold their feet to the fire to be of more service to us because before everybody focused on federal what's the president doing what's congress doing what is your city commissioner doing what is your local elected official doing what is your school board member doing that's what you need to know 
because that's what more immediately like that graph you made affects you. What are they doing with your money allocation? What are they doing with your resource allocation? What are they doing for you? And so I hope that's what people get from this. But to answer that in a more immediate way, that education from pre through college will help because with the proper level of funding and education and a proper investment in civics and proper honest history, then we will see how to how to build upon what did work and to make sure we don't repeat what did it. But right now we're getting a real clear civics lesson during this pandemic. And a lot of people are failing this test because a lot of your elected officials don't know what their powers are. A lot of people are failing this test, but we got to do better as a larger whole. Thank God I had civics in school, but I know tons of people who didn't. Thank God I cared about history and politics, but I know tons of people who didn't. So I'm sitting here primed in a situation where I could talk about how things interconnect in a way that at least 70, 80% of Americans can't. And that seems like an amazingly high number, but I think that's the low end. I think a lot more Americans cannot fully flush out how this works. And that's dangerous. Yeah. Because that's how you keep that small percentage of people navigating the large percentage of people. Yeah, yeah. When they don't know how any of this works, they're just in it. Yeah, that's spot on. And it goes back 2,500 years to the Greeks talking about the crucial importance if you're going to have a democracy of being educated. Um, and at, to the degree that you talk about is, uh, is spot on. Um, and you, as we form these unique souls into the world, it's important to retain their youthful creativity as they uh, become knowledgeable about how to be a really strong uh, democratic citizen in the social fabric because they're the ones that are going to be thinking about these solutions in the infrastructures and to not stamp out their creativity with sort of the archaic styles of, of funnels into our incumbent infrastructures and um, quite frankly I also think that what uh, why Nixon called uh, Tim Leary the Uh, most dangerous man uh, because Tim Leary said that when people take entheogens when they recognize the kingdom of God within when they fully unleash that um, they don't funnel into the uh, archaic uh, consumptive processes of the media and they don't fight the wars and they don't file into the corporations and the incumbencies and so I think that the, the revolution that like Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, MAPS, and many of the other uh, entheogenic unleashings that are happening on the planet through these natural secretions are simultaneously here to catalyze that awakening from both the grassroots education democracy level as well as from a top-down level as you described there are people that awake and say that I want to take some of my millions of dollars and put it into these UBI scenarios that are happening and to prove that that is actually efficacious for today's basic needs being met. I think the episode has been ridiculously just beautiful of a synthesis again with so much of what you're doing 
on the rubber meeting the pavement with a lot of what I've been conceptualizing as schemas around the nature of our existence. And I think that meeting the basic needs is where the, the, the beauty of it is where we meet and overlap in so many ways. And that that's what gives us all of the downstream gifts that we all want to see. We all want to see the more beautiful future that our hearts know is possible for everyone to be in that state of where their basic needs are met. They're able to actualize gifts. They're happy. They're healthy. They're well. They're flourishing with them, their families, their communities, the planet. We know that that's at the core of so much of what we care about and that you illustrate well for us what needs to happen today in order to get there so last thing i want to share is we need the individuals who are conscious and privileged which you may be conscious without privilege and you may be privileged without conscious they all need to activate in very big ways yes there's a huge responsibility for all the influence that you have big and small to be activated towards correcting the ills of individuals who may need your help. You have a a personal responsibility. And I'm saying this because I come from a lot of these communities where it's, we do tons of yoga and we're very realizing this and third, but we don't talk about race. We don't talk about socioeconomic disadvantagement or disengagement. We don't talk about underemployment. We don't discuss educational disconnects we don't discuss that's not acceptable anymore you have to get in the game like as uncomfortable as it is as great as it feels to be like one day the world be utopian that ain't today in the most layman's terms that is not today today you're in the trenches and you are looking to the sky, but you are lifting and digging with your feet in your hands. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So That's a good I don't want anyone else to go floating off. Yeah. Get in the game. I love it. And it speaks so deeply to the self-realization of that one infinite creator and consciousness exploring infinity anchored the realization anchored in the self-actualization of the feet being grounded on the ground, the hands being dirty in meeting the basic needs, in architecting on a moment-to-moment basis the more robust fabric that maximizes flourishing. We talk about this so much on program. It's just such a good, it's such a good back-and-forth dialectic on this one. It, Yeah. I think you have to change the name. To the, meeting basic needs right, or of, something. Like you got to change, change the name like, of this whole segment because yeah. I don't think we touched... On whatever we discussed before. We talked a lot about um, the meeting. Meeting basic needs is a good way to maybe call this episode. Yeah. Meeting basic needs because that's what we talked right. about. But that has so much to do with equity, the equity side. Oh, of, very much so. Of, of what, but I also think that a lot of people look at doing a series of, of things through a singular lens. And I think there's a necessity to understand policy, climate, community, and private. Like in, in what I mean, private industry, private sector, and you need to figure out how those intersect. Yeah. And I don't see a ton of people doing that because a lot of people don't have exposure. It's, it, it's just, this is way, way, way 
way more about uh, meeting basic needs and also especially at that core the uh, that youthful education that's so deeply um, needed to become a, a healthy prosperous citizen in the social fabric i mean right. it's so spot on reginald b mckinley the second that's me that's you my that's brother. me this has been such we did an it. honor such a pleasure thank you for coming on of the course program. thank you thank for you. real this, this was, was good such a pleasure holy oh. cow <laughs> Yeah, you are you are the man. Like, I love it. I love it, Jeanette. You, Jeanette. Holy cow! Yeah, we'll a video. What a, a video. What a, video right now, no, you gotta get. You gotta Jeanette, get we can hear. We we can also hear Jeanette in the. Uh, yeah, she can take a video. We right? can we can we and we take can video. we can also hear you in the in the background, which is on the mic. But we'll we'll also take another one of these after we after right? we wrap the program. Yeah. I love this. This is so nice. Ow. <laughs> I love it. There we I go. I love it. I love it. Thank this you. This was good. This was so good. Thank you for Thank coming you for on the program. Me. What a pleasure. We would love to hear your thoughts in the comments below, everyone. Let us know what you think about this episode on meeting basic needs, on the best way to possibly you know, get there right, literally right now with the things that we talked about on the yeah. show. Uh, I want to show it one more time for people as well right here on how to best architect it literally today, literally right now on what we need on the input side right now and where we want to put that on the output side right now Yeah, and how to keep in mind those more longer term inclusive stakeholding infrastructures as well. Uh, it's basically the, the way we get there. I, I love it. And uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Love to hear from you. Also, uh, check out the links in the bio below. Right now, we have uh, Reginald's LinkedIn profile, and soon we'll have additional links as well there for you. Um, and also, have more conversations around this theme. Um, like the video, share it with people, subscribe if you haven't already, especially with people that need, share it with people that. Uh, need to hear from that rubber meeting the road perspective on meeting the basic needs of people around the world and what that can maximize, especially here in the U.S. Um, share that, share that. This has been a very great nuanced dialectic on it as well, which is precisely what we aim to feature here on the program. So, um, and support the artists, entrepreneurs, scientists, engineers, spiritual leaders in your communities and around the world that you believe in. You can support simulation. Our links are in the bio below uh, to help us continue flourishing with our goals as we vulnerably shared on the program. It's extremely important for us to continue um, with our mission and vision and purpose here in Los Angeles. And that's all, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. We love you very much. Go and build the future. Manifest your dreams into the world. The now. The power yeah. of the now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this has been awesome. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Reggie. Lady Thank dies. you. <laughs>